It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS. Dot com. At FFFSOSS. Trinity slash Agentic 3. What's good? How's everybody doing? This Thursday edition of the pod, and we will have a big look ahead to footy kicking off Premier League match day one preview in the kickoff. I'll talk a little bit more in depth about some games that I'll have my eyes on this weekend. Very, very excited for the Prem to be back, so we'll do that. We'll look at some of the other leagues kicking off as well in a weekend soccer preview. Uh, we'll do some NFL headlines. Then the college football coaches poll came out, one through 25, so just a couple notes on that. And then uh, some FedEx Cup playoffs with the golf. So, again, just off the top for the college football slash NFL portion of the previews ahead of their seasons getting underway. Thursday, the 24th of August, will be the college football over-under show. Following Tuesday, the 29th, will be the season preview. And I know Week 0 will have a game or a couple games that, you know, USC is going to be ranked in the top 10. They're playing, I think, Week 0, Week 1. I think their bye is like Week 3 or something. But um, we'll talk about the Week 0 games, but we will still do the season preview that Tuesday. After Week 0, technically, Okay. Because Thursday, College Football Week 1 preview, the 31st of August, that show will also be NFL over-unders. Following Tuesday, the 5th, will be our NFL season preview. And then the Week 1 preview of the NFL comes September 7th. So that is the football schedule now that we have the Premier League getting underway this weekend. So that's what we'll do in the kickoff. We'll get a little more in-depth, a few, four games of the Premier League match day one then we'll go through the full we get soccer preview epl la liga league un then some soccer transfer rumors nfl headlines college football poll and coaches poll and then some golf so that is on the docket for the program kick it off premier league match day one four games i want to highlight um yes four of the four Four, four of the four, right, contain a big six side. Uh, the only game without a big six side is Newcastle Villa, which we'll get to. Chelsea and Liverpool, one of the highlights of the weekend. We'll talk about that last. But first we have, to start the season on Friday, uh, afternoon stateside under the lights in England, the champions away to the championship champions. <laughs> so Man City travel to Terraformer to take on Burnley, who are back in the Premier League. It's company ball now, the former city captain, and at least they've gotten this over with last year with an FA Cup um, fixture, and company had faced off against Pep and City, the club that he had captained to the Premier League titles and the other trophies that they had won, FA Cup, Carabao Cup. He had not won the Champions League with them, as we know. Last season was our first Champions League. So, big, exciting kickoff to start the season with Man City, who we know are going to score a bunch of goals, are going to be so exciting to watch, are probably going to be the champions again unless somebody can catch them. Against the Burnley side, who the last time we saw them in the Prem, 
four four two or four four one one or four five one, however you want to describe those Sean Dyche formations, defensive, structure, discipline. It's not the same Burnley you saw go down that has come back up for Vincent Company. So a more exciting brand of football, a more attacking brand of football at Turf Moor, and we get to see it for the first time on Friday against the champions. So I know that game could literally turn into like 4-0, you know, rather quickly. You know, we've seen City absolutely decimate some teams, you know, five goals in a blink of an eye, scoring nearly double-digit goals, getting nine goals, you know, seven goals. That's nothing of really shock because of the attacking prowess that they have. So to start the season, and wouldn't it be an unbelievable result if Burnley did find a way to get three points or even one point? Um, so that's the first game. Burnley at home at Turf Moor taking on the Champions Man City. Next up, probably game of the weekend for me, Newcastle Villa at St. James Park. We know that that place is going to be rocking. It was rocking all last season. It's been rocking since Eddie Howe has taken command of the Toon Army and the Magpies. And Newcastle have been great. And you want to talk about another manager who's been great since coming in and, and reformed the club. Unai Emery for Aston Villa has been amazing as well. So Villa in European football, Newcastle in European football, but how do they compete in the Prem? Well, good thing for them, European football doesn't start for a month, so they can play you know, their best sides together in the Prem and try to get off to a good start. So this could be a very exciting up and down, the amount of players in this contest that have that skill set going forward. We could see a lot of goals, and I, I think Newcastle Villa is the game of the weekend for me. For sure. Um, so if you can get to a TV on Saturday, I think it's 12.30 kickoff. That'd be that'd be a good place to be to watch that one. So Newcastle-Villa. Third game of our four that I want to highlight here on match day one of the Premier League. Only one London derby. And that's shocking because you have so many London teams. Because, you know, Arsenal, uh, Crystal Palace, Fulham, West Ham, Brentford. Chelsea, so many London teams that you're almost bound to have at least one London Derby, possibly two London Derbies a weekend. So you only have one, and it's Brentford and Tottenham. First game for Postacongaloo. We know how tough it is to go to the community stadium and play Brentford in London. It's a tough place to go. They have it rocking Thomas Frank has those supporters believing in um, that side. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Tottenham. No official news with Harry Kane going to Bayern. Do we see him put the armband on, be the number nine, lead the line, lead the attack this weekend, or is he gone already? And with that, can... The new manager coming in, Postacoglu, can he set the tone going forward and say, okay, Harry's gone. Don't worry about it. We, I like what we have here. Or is it going to be this constant distraction for Tottenham? So I think Brentford is an exciting team. They finished top half again, and I think they'd be very, very happy with that. For me, this one's more about Tottenham and what we can learn from the first 90 minutes of this Tottenham. Because you need some time, you need about, you know, 
what, call it six to eight to ten-ish games. You know, a third of the season, a little past the fifth of the season, probably close to a quarter of the season. Or you'd be like, okay, that team is not good. This team needs improvement. That that, that player's not good enough for that position. You can't just give it 90 minutes. That's not fair. So Because we're going to have a lot of overreactions on Monday. We know that for Tuesday's show about the Prem, right? But even if we get some surprising results, I don't think Brentford beating Tottenham at home would be surprising. And I don't think Tottenham beating Brentford away would be surprising. So I think we're going to answer some questions about Tottenham in the first 90 minutes that either are going to be answers that Spurs fans want and want to continue to see over the course of the season. Like they like the counter pressing. They like the way um, it's attacking football. They're getting shots on the target. They're producing goal scoring opportunities, all these things. Or is it a situation where they're not doing any of those things? They're conceding goals and they want to say, okay, we need this to end. We cannot have this go forward. So, we're going to see a big reaction from this game about Tottenham, regardless if they win, draw, or lose. So that's why it's a game I highlight. And then finally, Chelsea-Liverpool, which unfortunately has been a really nil-nil fest, a goalless drawless draw fest of the recent past, including two finals, which is un- unfortunate because you, you hope that there are some great goals in a final, right? Um, but a lot of nil-nils. Some of that due to injuries for both sides not having their best 11s. Some of it due to um, not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. Some of it also due to either Mendy or Kepa for Chelsea or Allison making some really big saves. And even Kelleher because he was in the cup final, right? Um, making some big saves to keep the ball out of the net. So I, I understand... You know, some people, the criticism of the sport is still 0-0, so boring. Yes and no. There are some games that are nil-nil that you sit there and you're like, oh, I just wasted 90 minutes. That I, sh- I could have done something more productive. But there are some nil-nils that could have been 3-3s. Three that could have been, you know, 5-4s. That could have been 2-2s. Two that could have been 2-1s. You know, there's some great nil-nils that, unfortunately, you don't get a goal from, but you get so much... Um, drama and suspense and intensity especially in those final moments where a goal is going to split the sides after you know 90 plus minutes where they were you were even right um so my defensive nil nils there aside you want to see some goals in a chelsea liverpool match Those, those have been some classics um especially in in the 2000s there with both of the clubs vying for big european uh nights so Chelsea-Liverpool, the fourth fixture that I wanted to highlight in the kickoff. So let's get into our weekend soccer preview. Start with the EPL. Start with Burnley-Man City. And it, it does worry me that Burnley hasn't been able to make some big, big signings, whether it's in their midfielder or their attack. I, I don't love championship sides that just come up and say, we're good enough to hang out. I, I just don't think you are. Now, maybe they're all, I'm going to get proven wrong, and maybe they had some hidden gems on their roster that are Premier League players but were playing in the championship or maybe they are going to develop into Premier League players, whatever it may be, the case may be. I don't love when clubs come up and they don't either take from clubs that gone down or try to get a depth piece from another big club on loan to just supplement your team 
some someone that has played in the prem, someone that's won game, matches in the prem. So I don't love what Burnley did necessarily with their attack midfielder defense, but I do like them bringing in uh, the goalkeeper from Man City Trafford. So he's going to get a shot against his old club right away. It'll be interesting to see. And now for Man City, they've had Kyle Walker and Bernardo Silva basically say they're going to stick around. Um, yes, they moved on from Gunawan that they bring, bring in Kovacic. Apparently, they want Paqueta, but I don't think West Ham is going to sell him. But they get Guardiola, who's the best defender on the market. So City may have lost a lot in the sense of what Ikai Gunawan brought to the pitch, the bench, the dressing room, the training ground, the cafeteria, all those kind of intangible things as well as the play on the pitch. Because remember, he scored that first goal in the FA Cup final. Okay, and then scored some also pretty big goals for that team. So for Man City, it's what formation does Pep come out in? What um, or who is first choice at certain positions and we'll see what happens with that Man City Burnley match and and I think at Turf Moor it's gonna be it's gonna be hopefully an exciting match to get the season underway with. Arsenal and Forrest Forrest completing the move for Matt Turner, so it looks like he will go up against his former side, uh, with Forrest not being able to get Dean Henderson in on time yet. So possibly Forrest going with both two younger keepers, two depth keepers from Arsenal and being Turner and Henderson from Manchester United. It's a bold strategy, but I don't, I don't, I, I feel like you need a number one and you just let that guy be your number one and you live and die with him. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. So Arsenal hosts Forrest at the Emirates. They'll take on their former keeper in Matt Turner and Forrest have settled it down to the moves that they made last window, uh, last summer window, because as for much I said, the Burnley points of you got to bring in some guys. Forrest did that to the nth degree, and they did it exponentially because I'm pretty sure they brought in 20 guys, if I'm not mistaken, more than that. Tone it down a little bit this summer, which is smart. And Arsenal had a great window. I think Arsenal might have had one of the best windows in the history of the Premier League. In the sense of Havertz can play up top and in your midfield. Rice can play a six or an eight. Timber can play left back, center back, right back. The Ryan move I'm not 100% in love with because I I really like Ramsdale. So I don't necessarily love the Raya move. But for it just to be alone with an option to buy, that's not bad business if it works out and he becomes your number one. Because then... You would have ended up spending fifty to seventy on a new number one, whatever it may be. That being said, Forrest struggled against some of the bigger clubs. Yes, they had moments against some of the bigger clubs, but they especially in the beginning of the season when they dug themselves that hole that they had to get out of. I think Arsenal will be top of the table because they have an A in their name and they'll have three points from this win at the Emirates. Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United back in the Prem. They host a Crystal Palace side who I'm curious to see how they line up. I'm curious to see what Roy Hodgson thinks is possibly his best 11 or or where each player fits in. It's a new era at Crystal Palace with the absence of Zaha and Mahovic and MacArthur. There's so many Faces that have to step up into leadership roles, whether that be in Elise 
or um, an SA. So we'll see what happens with those players. I think they're very, very talented. And I think the Blades at Brummerwillian will have um, a good crowd. It's not an easy place to play. And I do expect them to come out and um, defend it well. Now, Crystal Palace, for me, is an interesting side. Very talented, very good, but with a old-school manager in the sense of what he played, what he came up with, what he's coached. It's a newer kind of league. It's a newer kind of systems where, you know, a lot of managers, whether it be Pep or Klopp or however you want to say, will put one of their skilled players on the back line and invert them into the midfield when you have the ball. And then you have a back three all of a sudden. So, not saying Crystal Palace is going to come out and play the Pep system. That's not what I'm saying. But will they be able to um, be more fluid, be more creative, be more adaptive? Um, and hopefully they don't just try out 4-4-2, you know, England football. Everton-Fulham. Interesting match here. You know, Mitrovic has not gone officially that I've seen to Saudi Arabia. But I don't think he's going to play anytime soon. So Raul is your striker. I think Fulham have some good players. They go over Reed. You know, they bring William back, who's a little older, obviously. Um, Paulinho's good. They have some good attackers and playmakers. Can they defend enough? And for Everton, the host at Goodison Park, like, the Everton supporters have to be in it from, you know, the first home match. You know, this first home fixture. Because Everton just seemed to not start the season well. Lose matches they shouldn't lose. You know, draw games they should win. All these kind of things, right? And then they have to rally around them. They they get the flares going. They get the, the bus welcoming for the last, you know, six, seven, eight home games. And you're like, well, if you just started the season out with this energy, the club would have a better start. So we'll see how they start. We'll see how they start Everton full. Brighton and Luton Town is a tough spot for Luton Town. Similar to my thoughts about Burnley. I don't love what Luton Town did this window. Brighton has moved on from some guys. Does Caicedo play? We've seen him not make the dream move to Chelsea yet. Does that mean Deserby plays him? this first match day I'm not sure it'd be very interesting to see how that's going to sort itself out because I'm sure the manager would love to play one of the better single pivots in the, in the world in Caicedo he's, he's been brilliant for Brighton Bournemouth West Ham next West Ham are going to be looking to strike um, in the transfer market after being very very quiet they've waited a long time and unfortunately for them that means Moyes won't be able to use these guys right away. Um, they go to the Vitality to take on Bournemouth. Bournemouth are a weird team to me. They lose Lerma. I think he was one of their better players. Solanke a lot falls on him now. Billing is a good player, but is Solanke and Billing 
going to score you enough goals to stay up in the prem. I'm not sure. And that's not a knock on those guys. They need more they need more help. So I expect West Ham if they're ready to start from, you know, the first whistle, go get a result. Go get a win. Newcastle Villa, I talked about this previously. For me, game of the weekend. Eddie Howe has so many players at his disposal now. Um so many guys, especially in the midfield and the attack. A lot of guys interchangeable. You, know, you bring in Barnes, bring in Tenali, you bring in Livermento on the back line there. They have a solid defensive squad to begin with. Howe has a good defensive record when you look back at it. And going forward, you know, Isak, Wilson, Almiron. Joe Ellington, Willick, very, very strong side in Newcastle. And Villa, Ole Watkins has turned himself into a very, very good, very, very qualified Premier League striker. I like a lot of the things that Villa have done with Emery. Douglas Louise has been fantastic. I think Bailey will have a bigger year. In year two in the prem, if I'm not mistaken. So that Newcastle Villa game, I think it's going to be hopefully high scoring, hopefully exciting. Um, and maybe the game of the weekend. Brentford Tottenham. I'm very curious to see this Tottenham squad. What is this iteration of Tottenham going to be? Because really dating back to when they let Poach go, it's been Mourinho and Conte who are two guys that are counterattack guys critics will say they park the bus other people will say they're defensive masterminds wherever you land on that kind of um, spectrum those poles you gotta admit that they're both great managers and guys that have won almost everywhere they've been except Tottenham so what's the consistency there I'd say it's Tottenham I'd say it's the players I'd say it's Daniel Levy because it's like it's very hard to win trophies for sure. But if you're a good team in England, you're in four competitions more often than not. Premier League season, European competition, two domestic cups, four trophies a year. That if you're an upper echelon Premier League team, you can be competing for. And Tottenham haven't won a trophy in a long time. But yeah, it's it's continuing the managers that they bring in. Nuno, how can you forget Nuno, Mourinho, Conte, so since Pochettino, insane. Now he's at Chelsea. So I'm a Tottenham fan. I don't know where I'm at with my club. Are you happy with the new manager? Do you want Kane gone? There's so many question marks around Tottenham. Very excited to see how their season plays out. Chelsea, Liverpool at the bridge. Big news for Chelsea and Cuckoo's out, which sucks. That's a guy that they were going to formulate a lot of their attack around um, and their style around. Going to be interesting to see how Pochettino tries to deal with what Liverpool presents, which is five attackers for three spots. Salah will have his and then 
between the striker position and the left wing, you got guys that are really interchangeable besides Diaz. Diaz is the lone left wing, Salah is the lone right wing, but Gakpo, Nunez, Jota can play left wing, they can play striker. And then it's going to be interesting to see for Liverpool because Chelsea, who they're playing, have put in a bid for Lavia apparently from Southampton. So that would be really bad if Liverpool get robbed of a player that they should have bought a month and a half ago to be honest so and cuckoo out for Chelsea Liverpool certainly not roster fix in my in my estimation this is Chelsea's probably roster isn't fixed yet they won't so won't Caicedo we know that they still want to get rid of Lukaku we know that so I don't think either of these sides are through in the window and It's going to be an interesting match. You know, you could get a classic Klopp 3-3. You know, Poacher is a part of some of those games. You could get a part uh, a 1-0, a 0-0, a 2-1. You could get a lot of different games. So, um, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I'm excited to get the season back underway. But I don't know what to expect. I really don't. So, this Lyon McAllister, some really good players, does... Klopp just trot out the same system with Trent and put him in the double pivot. Who is in the single pivot? Is it Curtis Jones to start the season? Because we know Tiago and Batacic aren't necessarily fit for 45, let alone 90 minutes. You know, maybe not even an hour. So those are the games Sunday. Then Monday we wrap around at Old Trafford, Manchester United, Wolves. The big news for Wolves, Lobotegi out. The guy I was kind of singing his praises that Wolves are so thankful that he's their manager um, a guy that's another guy like a Emery, like a Deserby, like a Eddie Howe, right? A manager that's come in and, and just lit the world on fire. Now, I understand if he's pissed because they sold Raul Jimenez and they haven't brought in a striker and Raul Jimenez was a lot of their goals that they didn't score a bunch of them anyway. So you have a side that doesn't score goals. You decide to sell your best theoretical goal scorer and you have not replaced him before the season starts I don't blame Obatagi for being like I'm out of here this is crazy this is insane um, so that's really tough for Wolves and I'll tell you this right now with Lobatagi, I said Wolves are absolutely up even without a Jimenez because I thought he is creative enough to find a solution to to find players that can give him goals from whatever system they have going on without a proper number nine now, as you could argue it. However, without him, they're in trouble, and they could easily get relegated. So they started the season away at Old Trafford. Man, you have had a nice window. If they get Amrabat, I think it's a great window. Mason Mount comes into your team. Hodgland's not ready yet, but he'll be your striker. You put Rashford on one side, you put Ante on the other, you put Bruno, Mason Mount, and Casemiro Amrabat. That's a good front six. And then you try to get better with your defense where you can. Uh, Juan Basaka developed nicely after a lot of people had given up on him. Luke Shaw is a solid enough left back. And your Veron Martinez pairing, if they're healthy, if they're fit, is a good pairing. But Veron is not you know, as agile or as young as he used to be. So that in itself is an, is an issue. So 
For Man U, I think it's a uh, big opportunity against a side that doesn't have a manager technically, right? Or a, a full-time manager, right? Because they have the caretaker going on. So go get your three points and then uh, go next week. La Liga. Athletic take on Real Madrid. Getafe hosts the champions Barcelona and Atletico hosts Granada, League 1, PSG, and Laurent. Soccer Trans Rumors, Riot in at Arsenal, as I mentioned. Kudus wants to go to Dortmund despite Ajax having an agreement with Brighton. So, seemed like Kudus could have gone to Chelsea. Then it was done deal to Brighton. Then it was put the brakes on. He doesn't want to go to Brighton. Now it's deal is um, with Dortmund. So, we'll see what happens with Kudus. West Ham are going to start signing some players. James Ward-Prowse is going to come in. They still have their eye on a Manchester United double with the former captain, McGuire, and the Scott McTominay. The Scott McTominay, Scott McTominay. Ha, ha, ha. Luton signed Ross Barkley, who, listen, I didn't think, I thought Ross Barkley was done. But if he can help you out in the midfield, give you a little Premier League experience, God bless. And Chelsea could sell Kepa to Bayern Munich. They're also, we know, still trying to unload Lukaku to Juventus. Now, PSG news. PSG said they've accepted two offers from Mbappe, one from Saudi Arabia that we knew about and one from the Premier League that I don't think we knew about. However, Mbappe has said no to both those teams. He only wants to go to Real Madrid. Um, it has come out of Doha, apparently, from the ownership group for PSG that Mbappe will not play a minute. So we could see Mbappe leave, we could see Neymar leave, we could see en uh, Enrique, the coach, also leave. So that's the latest with PSG. NFL headlines rather quickly here. Purdy is still listed as a Niners starter, which is interesting because I don't think he'll be ready for week one. So I get your depth chart is fluid, but shouldn't you not have the guy that's not going to start for you be listed as one? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And for the Colts, their quarterback depth chart is interesting because on the one line, it has both Minshew and Anthony Richardson. And I think the saying by the great Bill Parcells is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So there you go with that. All right. College football coaches poll dropped. Georgia is one of the defending champs, back-to-back champs, as we know. Michigan, two. Bama, three. Ohio State, four. LSU rounds out the top five. USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee, the top ten. Washington, Texas, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, 11 to 15, then 16 TCU, 17 Kansas State, Oregon State at 18, OU at 19, Carolina at 20, Wisconsin at 21, Ole Miss 22, Tulane at 23, Texas Tech at 24, and AM rounds out the crew at 25. SEC, three in the top five with Georgia, Bama, and LSU, four in the top 10 with Tennessee, six in total. Big Ten had three in the top seven with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Uh, Big 12 had five total, four for the Pac-12 ACC with the back-to-back FSU and Clemson. They also had Carolina as well. So Iowa, South Carolina, and Florida, the top vote-getters not getting in. So we'll compare that with the AP top 25 that I think drops uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. All right, FedEx Cup, St. Jude Championship. The top 70 from the point standings are there. Top 50, go on to the BMW. I'm not going to read the top 70. I'm not going to do that. So that is the program for this Thursday. Again, the schedule 
College football over-unders the 24th, then in college football season preview the 29th, college football week one preview the 31st, which will also be our NFL over-under show following Tuesday, the 5th of September, our NFL preview for the season, and then NFL week one preview the following Thursday. That is the schedule going forward. Back to you twice a week if you haven't figured it out already with the second five this week. So enjoy the footy. Some very exciting games this weekend to get started in the Premier League season. I'll be watching them, and we'll recap them all on Tuesday's show. Everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy the weather out there. Hopefully it's nice by you. Until then, peace. Check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.